comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Frank Miller's Sin City colon, A Dame to Kill For. It's so sinful. So sinful you can't even handle it. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello, friends! Out Now is a film podcast. Today, Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, dive into a mostly spoiler-free movie review, then jump back into other topics, including games and fun stuff like that. This is episode 163. Yeah, I mean, I guess that equals 10. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> 163 equals 10. Thank you. It's those little knowledge drops every week that you have that really keep the show going. Just making sure everyone knows their arithmetic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this week we're talking about Frank Miller's Sin City, colon, A Dame to Kill For, the nine years waiting follow-up to Sin City from 2005 from director Robert Rodriguez and co-director Frank Miller. Can't forget that credit. That very <laughs> yeah, important right. credit. And uh, joining us tonight today we have from... Or, uh, the managing editor for FirstShowing.net and staff writer at GeekNation.com, giving a hard goodbye to the long damn night that featured a big fat kill. It's Ethan Anderton. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you Hello. doing? I am doing pretty well. First time guest on the show. Long time yeah. listener. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we generally have that that bum Alex Alex Billington over on the show, but now we got the we got the other guy from First Showing. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what they. That's what everyone actually calls me. Like, oh, that other guy at First Showing. Yeah. <laughs> It's on his business card, actually. Yeah. <laughs> on the back is like one link in the corner, a really small font, but in the front it says well, the other guy version. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool. Good to have you on. Uh, happy, you know, happy to bring on new guests, of course. Should mention, even though we were like buddies at Comic Con this year, we were just hanging out. We were doing yes, our thing. Yeah, we were yeah, <laughs> gallivanting all around and waiting in lines and going to parties and dancing. We, we were machines. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because there was no room for sleep, so machine work is the only thing we could do. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, let's see what's some some show notes, some announcements here. Um, let's see. New commentary coming soon. Um, we always love doing the commentaries. We've dedicated ourselves now to doing one every month because you, the listeners love it so much. I can say that this upcoming commentary will tie into the Ichapod Cranecast, the other podcast that I co-host with friends of the show, Brandon and Maxwell, where we talk about uh, episodes of Sleepy Hollow, the TV series on Fox every week. So you can only imagine what movie commentary we might be doing for that commentary episode coming. I want to say uh, GoldenEye. Probably, yeah, we already did Goldeneye. So. Ah, Abe. make sure people are listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go look, look, reach back to our Goldeneye commentary episode. It's a good one. Um, what else? Speaking of bonus episodes, actually, there's a Step Up bonus episode we have out now. Uh, Brandon, Scott, and a uh, new friend of the show, Randy, we all joined, we all jumped on to talk about the latest Step Up movie, uh, which we had a lot of fun doing, but that was a fun bonus episode, which the director of Step Up All In, has commented and said she was a fan of. So there you go. Boo. <laughs> Plus one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Oh, we got an email, Abe. We have an email here. 
I'm currently reading it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I'm going to read it out loud right now. Okay. This way, it's from Dion. Uh, the subject was two reviewers walk into a bar, and then he follows it up with, and there's no more to that joke, but I will leave it to Abe's impeccable comedic sense power to complete it. Uh, lately, I've been using Twitter, but I just wanted to say, by way of the tried and true method, that I still love your podcast. As Yay. I sit here, li- yeah, thanks. As I sit here listening to you whine about the top tier film that is Expendables three. No, I just wanted to say I loved your live TMNT review. The energy when you and Abe are together is pretty damn awesome. Have you guys considered buying an apartment building midway between your current locations, <laughs> rent rooms on the lower floors to your adoring masses, and leaving the top floors containing a harem for your guest reviewers? All of that. Um, that would be a way to. That would be a way out there for. <laughs> Jesus. That would be way out there for out now. One quick question. Of the worst movies of this year, which have you guys found entertaining enough to have earned its ticket price? Uh, uh, I mean, of the worst movies, that generally means I don't think any yeah, of them earned their ticket yeah, price. I wouldn't recommend that to you. <laughs> um, I, offhand, I guess Expendables 3, because I had fun-ish with it, despite being a bad movie. I'll concur with that assessment, sir. I guess. <laughs> About the apartment, though. We'd, we'd basically be living in Fresno, Dion, and no not a lot of people want to do that. that. Yeah, Only Abe's family wants to live in Fresno. Yeah, where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Dion, for that Thanks email. For the email. Yeah, you can, of course, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to let us know, you know, your thoughts on various things about the show. We'll be happy to read them out in the air. And uh, let's see, last thing, uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Um, we'd love to get some more ratings. We have a, we have like a, a little bit of like a, a number right below another number. If we got a couple more and even it out, that'd be wonderful. So maybe log on to iTunes, send us a little uh, iTunes reviewer rating. Doesn't take much time. Helps out us. Helps other people find our show. Be great. Thank you in advance. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's move on from there. Let's get let's involve Ethan in this. Let's do a little <laughs> uh, let's do a little know everybody where each week we ask each other questions, try to set the set the tone for the podcast to better get to know no, everybody. everybody. Whoa. <laughs> I know. Wah, wah. That's the kind of power you could expect from out now. <laughs> Watch out! <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start this one off. All right. Okay, this, this is for everybody. You're doing your dance on stage. What is the song that you choose to dance to? 99 Red Balloons. <laughs> that, that's the song you choose? <laughs> pretty, pretty high energy. You got, Everyone... some, you got some moves for that one? It's just, it's just me kicking, you know, kicking... Imaginary balloons, JD style from Scrubs. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm 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 gonna have to go with uh, Sir Mix a Lot. Baby got back. Cause there you I, go. I just love shaking it. <laughs> good answers. Yeah, yeah. that's good answers. Abe. All right, you guys are residents of Sin City. Are you a skinny slim suit fitted guy, or are you a you know regular traditional suited guy? Primarily because Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks pretty good in a slim suit. So, so just suit types, that's your question? <laughs> like, it's nothing more dramatic than, is the suit yeah. loose-fitting or is it slim? Like, just a regular suit, like, you know, Booth Powers. Powers I'm sorry, Powers Booth. Powers, Powers, Powers Booth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, senator-style suit, or you go in slim suit, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I could probably pull off a slickster suit like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I wouldn't want to embark on his activities, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty beefy. Um, I'm not even sure that I would wear a suit. I might wear that like thing that Dennis Haysbert wears. Oh, his his manservant <laughs> suit. Yeah. Yeah. He looks with kind like, of like like an old English police officer, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. With like the thirty buttons that you have to button up every morning. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I would get one where it's probably all buttoned. I just have to pull it over my head like a shirt. 
or a suit of armor. Maybe yeah. just rock a hoodie like Josh Rowland was. I was going to give you that option, but I was like, nah, I, I want to hear what your shoe tastes are. <laughs> that threw me off quite a little bit because I'm like, why is he wearing a hoodie all of a sudden? <laughs> I'm so used to seeing him like in a coat. It's like, why is he have a hoodie on? That's weird. But uh, oh, I guess he's a PI. That makes sense. Yeah. If Jack Nicholson made Chinatown now, he'd be in a hoodie. He'd be in a hoodie, yeah. yeah. We're wearing Converse and also, like, really skinny khakis. Oh, yeah, secret uh, trivia about uh, Chinatown. He he was wearing uh, Converse with painted on um, at things to make it look like they're fancy shoes, but they're Converse. I made that uh -huh. up. That's not true. Oh, well, um, there you go. <laughs> movie trivia by Aaron. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's move on. That was, uh, that was a little bit of a... No, no everybody. everybody. Nail it this week. I'm yes. Okay, let's move on to Adam Quickies. Tim. Each week and out now, we have one main movie of the week, but we also have other movies that we see during the week that would have so much fun out of clicks. Tim. All right. <clears throat> Took it out of me, that one. <laughs> uh, Abe, have you seen yes. any other movies this week? I rewatched Zero Dark Thirty for no real reason other than I really like that movie. Because Labor Day is coming up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I, you know, exactly. Still good? Still good. Yeah, I'm still glad that I chose the number one movie of 2012. I watched Jessica Chastain do the Ice Bucket Challenge, so it was like watching waterboarding in Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> yeah, close enough. That's how you do a non-PC joke. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Reference to a thing we edited out of this podcast. <laughs> or may not have. Probably did. <laughs> uh, Ethan, any other movies that you've seen this week? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll run through just a three quick on this. I saw What If... Magic in the Moonlight and Boyhood. I I also watched all three of those things this week. Woo! Yeah, it's uh yeah no um what if I really enjoyed Daniel Radcliffe really shows that he has like some range outside of Harry Potter I thought it was well written Adam Driver's a scene stealer uh, Zoe Kazan's adorable really good uh Boyhood this was my second and third time seeing it I saw it twice this week uh since seeing it Sundance I just adore it it's it's perfect in every way. Um, and Magic in the Moonlight was underwhelming. It's charming, but absolutely forgettable. It's, uh, basically like, uh, mystical gypsy Annie Hall, but without, uh, the impressive nature of that film. <laughs> I basically agree with everything you just said about both, um, Boyhood and about Magic in the Moonlight, the Woody Allen film. Uh, what if I was a little more mixed on, I did, I did think Radcliffe and Zoe Gazan were very good in, as well as Adam Driver and most of the supporting cast actually, just overall i wasn't like a huge fan of it but it's still like it's i can see the char but i can see where the kind of the praise comes from for that film um i want to add one more uh calvary uh this ah. is the film starring brendan gleason um from director uh john michael Mc john michael mcdonough is that correct or is it his brother martin they previously worked on the guard together with him, with brendan gleason and don Cheadle, which i also was a big fan of uh oh, calvary yeah, it's a fun movie yeah calvary is it certainly leans heavy into the dark comedy. It's not even really a comedy, just more like it has some moments that are kind of funny, but it's really a drama. <laughs> uh, Gleason plays a a uh, Catholic priest who um, is basically opens the film being threatened with with death for just for no reason no reason beyond being a very good father. <laughs> and um, he go, he basically has a week to set his affairs in orders, and it has this uh, this great. It's set in Ireland. It has this great. Uh, this great um, Irish <clears throat> spring. I got had a bump, had a lump in my throat. It's oh. great. <clears> Has <throat> a great cast. Um, very well acted. Very dark though. I, if you're if you're walking into this movie thinking, man, that I like the guard or I like his I like his brother's work in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. This is this is not going to be the laugh out loud riot that you want it to be. It's it's, a, <laughs> it's way more uh, subdued and has very some very heavy beats in it. But I do think it's a very well acted movie. One that I'd certainly recommend. That's Calvary. 
And uh, yeah, so um, let's move on now. Let's get to. Uh, let's get that was on a quickie. Yep, I yeah. was waiting. I was, I was, I was trying was to waiting. get you. I was trying to get yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on now. Let's get to our movie trailer talk, where each week we discuss one of the newest movie trailers and when they're coming out and what we thought of them and what have you. And this week we have. Get ready for this. Um, I'm, I'm waiting. Peter Jackson presents J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, colon, The Battle of Five Armies, formerly titled There and Back Again. I think I got all of it. That was pretty good, actually. I, I, was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, a... I, I'm surprised that it says formally titled. Yeah, it says that, right? It's a little on the movie parenthesis. Poster. parenthesis yeah. 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 It says the parentheses that... Of the apes. Yeah. <laughs> of the apes. <laughs> <laughs> And this is, of course, the third chapter in the very necessary Hobbit trilogy um, featuring the entire cast once again. And basically all these things are going to collide into some final kind of climactic finale. we got the big trailer now, and it's coming. So with that said, uh, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the trailer for The Hobbit? Um, I, I The trailer is really well done. I, I love that they use Billy Boyd's Steward of Gondor song from Return of the King. Um, that's one of my favorite pieces on the soundtrack. It's just a beautiful song. He sings it really well. And uh, it really gives this ominous tone for, you know, the end of the, the trilogy. Um, but at the same time, like, it's, it's not something, like, I'm super pumped about just because, like, I didn't really enjoy the first Hobbit film that much. The second one was an improvement and uh, definitely better, but still not on par with Lord of the Rings. Um, so I'm interested to see how it concludes and how it all ties into Lord of the Rings. But at the same time, like, uh, it's just, there's so much of an effort to make the Hobbit, like this prequel trilogy to Lord of the Rings and like, like all these winks and nudges and elbow nods is like, Hey, Hey, Lord of the Rings is coming. You remember, you remember that there's a lot of dark stuff coming. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'm, I'm interested and intrigued, but not like super excited for it. But I, I think the trailer is really well put together. Abe? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just on board i guess because i need to know how this plays out even though i've read the hobbit um but i'm just curious to see what happens with smoke uh because hey. he was probably my my favorite thing in the desolation of smoke uh so yeah i'm curious hey, to see how it ends out but yeah i do i do agree pretty much with ethan about all the winks and nudges to the lord of the rings and uh basically saying hey you know what you probably haven't seen lord of the rings in a long time how about after this movie you just go watch all the extended cuts I can only hope that this one, you know, it feels like, man, that was a great way to wrap this up. Because, you know me from the start, eh? I was, I was the, the lone I, voice I that you. wasn't yeah. huge on the first Hobbit movie. While all you guys, including first showings Alex Billington, were like all over the balls <laughs> of Hobbit Unexpected yeah, Journey. And no, I, I didn't get it. Like, I, I watched it. I was like, it's really? a fun movie, guys. You guys are just too too square. No, I was too busy <laughs> walking while the Hobbits were, run, were you know, just like <laughs> singing and dancing. Like, <laughs> They were singing "Hi Ho," man. They got to work. But if they sing "Hi Ho," I'd love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, like this, uh, as opposed to like the Star Wars trilogies, this would be much better if you like, you know, if you had kids or someone who hadn't seen any of the movies. If you could have them watch The Hobbit first, I think that would be much more interesting than like if someone watched the prequels first, as opposed uh, for Star Wars. Um, just because to look at it, yeah, in terms yeah, of... like it's it's annoying. I think for people like you know us who saw have seen Lord of the Rings and know what's coming, but not in the same way that it is for like when you see uh, Star Wars and you know what's coming with the prequels. So it's it's uh, I, I think that the tone's a little bit more consistent, and it's it, you'd be able to like watch the the prequels, you know, the Hobbit trilogy before the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it would be you know perfectly fine. 
Yeah, I guess. It's still like, I gotta spend nine hours watching this before I can watch, like, something amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's all this backstory I don't need to hear about with Martin Freeman? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Everyone yeah. Loves Jen Watson. I, I am curious to see where it goes, mainly because I haven't, you know, I haven't read The Hobbit, so I don't know where this, I have an idea for it. I, I know what's gonna happen with certain characters just because it's been, it's been so heavily foreshadowed, but um, in terms of how things are going to turn out, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious, and I'm curious how how well Jackson do, does of uh, kind of wrapping everything up and making it. Since he, you know, has he's been dead, he's been devoted to tying it directly into the Lord of the Rings. I'm curious, you know, how he's going to leave it off and how that's going to sit. But uh, you know, we'll see. The uh, the J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Peter Jackson presents The Hobbit Call in the Battle of the Five Armies, formerly titled There and Back Again, opens December 12th this year, so we'll see how that... 12-12. Uh, 12-12. 12-12-1-4. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. And yeah, that's our trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main film review for Frank Miller's Sin City, colon, A Dame to Kill For. I think you forgot the apostrophe. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> betrayed me. Kill him. For power and profit. You've made me a very rich woman. You cannot defeat us. This time they have crossed a fatal line. I need your help. Means going up against a lot of guns. I'm gonna kill Rourke. Kill me in. Power is a fragile thing. I need them to know the price of defiance. Now, who wants to play? That should have been some of the trailer for Sin- Frank Miller's Sin City, colon, a name to kill for. Uh, this one takes place, of course, nine years following the debut of Robert Re- Rodriguez's unique cinematic vision of Frank Miller's Sin City graphic novels. We now have a sequel, much like that first film, we get to see four stories, two previously, this time two previously written by Miller and two newly created for by Miller for this film. An ensemble cast once again makes up various characters filling this dark and crime-ridden world with stories that involve a P.I. being wooed by a lost love, a hotshot gambler challenging the wrong guy, a stripper seeking vengeance, and whatever the lovable lug Mickey Works bar might just be up to <laughs> that night. Um, Ethan, you've walked down this alley of Sin City before. What is your relationship to the graphic novel series and your thoughts on this new film? Uh, Sin City as a graphic novel series wasn't something that I knew much about before the first movie came out. And then, you know, I, I had read some of it uh, before the first movie and after and whatnot. Um, and so it's not something that I was, like, uh, necessarily a fan of or anything like that. But, like, I read it and it was cool and I was interested in seeing, uh, you know, the first movie back in 2005. Just because, you know, it was something that hadn't been presented in that way before. You know, the highly stylized, you know, black and white style with, you know, little bits of color here and there. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, this was, I mean, before, you know, Zack Snyder, you know, did uh, 300 even, you know, and he, you know, that hyper stylized, you know, action and graphic novel thing. So um, it's, yeah, that's, that's about where my relationship begins and ends with Sin City. <laughs> with the new film, I mean, um, I, nine years later, like, I was interested, but I'm like, uh, okay, I guess we'll do this now. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I went to see it and the funny thing is, like, I saw a lot of negative things that people were saying about it. I don't think that there's much bad things about it when you compare it to the original film. Like, it's the the only downside is that it's just more of the same. And nine years later, 
it's not as innovative or unique as it used to be. You know, we've seen this before. We get it. It's, you know, film noir, comic book style, dark and gritty, really bloody, you know. Um, if anything, I, the, the one thing that I would say is worse this time is that it doesn't seem like it's as fun as far as, like, the tongue-in-cheek, you know, cheesy one-liners, uh, over-the-top acting, that kind of thing. There's still some of that mostly saved by uh, Ava Green. Otherwise, it just feels far too heavy-handed and serious and dark for what it's supposed to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, if it would have come out two years after the first film, I think everyone would have enjoyed it a lot more, but now people are just starting to get older and grow out of certain things, and we've seen much more in the nine years that films come out, and so I just feel like we're outgrowing Robert Rodriguez in more ways than one. All right. Abe? Everything that Ethan said, basically, I agree with. Um, maybe not the uh, outgrowing Robert Rodriguez part, but I thought that this film was basically more of the same. Uh, it's still very campy. It's still very goofy. Uh, some of the action sequences you laugh out loud at because it's just ridiculous, but hey, it's based off a graphic novel, right? And essentially... It's more or less the same thing, primarily because it uh, focuses on um, the same characters, and it's just the same city. It's just not as I do agree that it is a little bit more of a heavy, heavier tone, so, so so to speak. But it doesn't make any sense for it to be that, and you shouldn't think that that's the the only thing that is making the film ridiculous. Um, I do agree that Eva Green is. Uh, she does deliver her lines a little bit more emphatically and almost cartoonishly than than some of the other characters. But, you know, Marvel's still there. He's still a funny guy. Uh, Jessica Alba is kind of too angsty for me in this one. And Still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from rewatching the first one, yeah, I guess not too great. Um, but it's basically just a, a continuation of the first film. It's just... If you like the first one, then you shouldn't really have a reason to not like this one. I wasn't high on this one uh, because I have seen what they did with the stylized uh, um, aspects of the film that they did in the first one. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, you can't hate it because if you hated it, then that means that you probably really didn't like the first one. Ah! (laughs) Okay. That sounds like a disagreeing sound. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> to an extent, not because because I did like this movie overall. I didn't have fun with it. Um, I I but I you know I do echo the same sentiments that you guys have, where it just it doesn't feel fresh anymore. And even if it was two years later, I there might be you know the the thought of liking it liking it more than it's being liked right now might be might hold true. But at the same time, the movie doesn't present anything that's very new. Like the original <laughs> came out. And it was this completely different thing for as far as comic book movies go. Like Dick Tracy is maybe the closest one it had at that time in terms of kind of very stylish visuals with yeah. a heavy emphasis on how the style plays into the you know the world it built of these characters. Um, to back up a bit, I'm a big fan of the graphic novels. I, I love the graphic novels since they were coming out in the kind of early 90s. And so like seeing Robert Rodriguez Robert find a way to make a movie out of that that not only, you know, had – well, it did. It just had everything that Miller was going for in those books just translated into film. And I'd say that Sin City is one of the few movies, few like comic book or novel-based movies where an exact representation of it actually fits for screen. There's a lot that, you know, come out and you don't necessarily need them to be frame for frame exactly, the, you know, how they worked. Watchmen's a good example. I didn't need it to be, even though they tried to do that. It, it, that's probably why it didn't work as well as it could have. This one, with Sin City, it seems like it fits to have an exact, like, duplicate in, in cinematic form. Um, so that's kind of why 
I really like the Josh Brolin story and the opening Marv story because they were based on works that I've seen before, and they, um, I thought they were just handled the best. The two new stories, I didn't find very engaging, and I found them very anticlimactic. Um, part of it's because I think Jessica Alba is just not a very good actress, so the fact that she's trying to anchor the finale of this movie just did nothing for me. Yeah, she uh, is awful. Yeah. Um, the other thing is J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I think is one of the better actors in this movie in terms of yeah. the performance he's giving, his character's an idiot. Like, his character is so stupid, and everything he does... Yeah, just... every time every time I like he was being dumb, I kept thinking, like, he had some kind of, like, no pun intended, ace up his sleeve. Yeah. And, and then it's like it's like it's like oh you're just stupid and you're just... <laughs> yeah and even like the results of his plan while I get what they're going for you never get to see that take place what like it's yeah like he he says a th- he has like a big kind of final speech in this movie and you never really see what comes of that because the next thing is also focused on the same main character <laughs> so it's like we, we like it was all for nothing and so this big idiot like had a whole story for no reason really <laughs> like it seemed like they it from what i from how i'm looking at it based on what these stories are it seems like they had the dame to kill for in mind which i think could have made for there's enough story there and there's even stuff cut out of that book it, um, it certainly a, takes up a lot of the of the film. It does, but there's and there's enough there where it could have been its own movie. Like it could you could have had like two bookends on the either side of it and just made that the whole movie. But instead they went for this multiple story route, and so beyond like getting you know having this story in the middle and then having two lesser stories come after it, you then have like the story that seems to be it seems like they wanted to have Alba's character have a bigger role. I don't know why. I don't know what people were looking at Alba and thinking, man, she was great in the first movie. We need to give her more in the second movie. But that seems to be what happened. And they're like, well, because she wants vengeance against uh, Rourke, we need to have another story that emphasizes how evil he is. So let's have this Joseph Gordon-Levitt storyline. It just didn't work for me. So having like one really solid story where Ava Green just continues to be awesome in things that are associated with Frank Miller, followed by two stories that are just not very good. That may, that just brought it down a lot for me. So it's like that's kind of where I'm coming from with this. I I really like seeing the style again. That's great. I really like a lot of these actors, especially Ava Green. Just like she was great in 300, she's great here. Also, it's two for two for her Frank Miller movies this year. But like overall, it's like yeah, all right. Well, that happened. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically the same feeling that I had too, which is okay. That happened, and I do agree that the bookmarks are not the greatest because the Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, storyline, I was pretty intrigued by it because it's like, okay, well, how's this guy so lucky? Like, why is he so good at cutting cards? Uh, like, because like, it's split, like it's split into two parts, and that first part's really good. Like, I was really yeah. intrigued by where well, that I was mean, going to go. Well, that's how they uh, edited the first film too. I mean, yeah, or, which is, and it, but it was something I was familiar just because I, you know, that one was a bit the, that yellow bastard. That's the with the Bruce yeah. Willis novel. That one was I've I've seen that story. I've I've read that story, so I knew where it was going. But it was yeah, it was it was also split apart. And it made sense because there's like a giant time gap in between. Yeah. This one's just like in the same night. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> right. it's like let's but just like cut guys, it here. Like, like we like, guys said though, it's almost as though like the character has nothing to do, and, and there's largely for me no real payoff for that storyline, no real payoff for the Jessica Alba storyline either, which is I guess just for her to say a giant expletive and make you think that that's cool. Um, but yeah, I I was just thinking, well, these stories were okay. Maybe they just wanted to really focus on a dame to kill for and. Even that one I had some issues with Perman because you have all these – you have a ton of name-brand movie actors in here. Name-brand meaning like you've seen them in other works and you'd recognize them uh, and their names all all over the place. Like Jeremy Piven and uh, Christopher Maloney. Chris, it's like, okay, well, did you guys really need these two actors for this non-pivotal 
scene. Well, so. I, hate, I hate saying it's in the book, but it is in the book, and it like it. it of which I, which I totally get. It, but what, what else is? Book, I yeah. thought there. I mean, I like Maloney. I thought he was doing well. What he was given, yeah. I thought he, he handled that really. I thought well, it's, it's, it's the same reason that they get people like uh, you know the ridiculous star-studded cast for those terrible romantic comedies like New Year's Eve and Valentine's. <laughs> it's like because you're bound to like get a bingo by finding somebody who likes at least one person in the cast, so they'll go see the movie. Yeah. Like having Stacey Keach appear for one scene in giant, weird penis makeup. And you didn't even know there was Stacey Keach. Because he looked like a giant penis creature. Well, he looked yeah, like, he looked like, that, like Jabba the Hutt as a person. Yeah, so he's like Pizza yeah, the Hutt. He's, yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like Jabba the Hutt, but then he lost a lot of weight, so he looked like Mr. Peanut. Like, like seriously, what was Stacey Keach doing? Like, what like what promise did he have if he appeared in this costume in this scene? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> like, Stace, <laughs> it's going to redo your career. <laughs> It's so weird, like, because, uh, I mean, like, the only other character you ever really have seen that's, like, gross and weird and deformed like that is, you know, that yellow bastard from the first one. So, like, when those kind of characters pop up, it's so weird to me because it feels like it it's, doesn't fit in with the Sin City universe. Maybe they just don't show enough of, like, what else is in the comics. Like, I mean, Marv is kind of there, but he's more so just ugly. But, like, there's nobody else who looks like a weird monster. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really not that much of a thing. Um, there's... There's a there's a future there's like the last comic to Hell and Back has a lot of neat stuff which is why I wanted this movie to do better just because I can hopefully see that movie someday but I don't think that's gonna happen but yeah for the most part there really aren't many like bizarre looking characters in the Sin City world it's more of a rarity especially for someone like Stacy Keach's character who's just like random like like a politician guy or something where it's like why is Bob this boss, here? I think. I, I don't want to say it was bad because it wasn't bad. It's just like it's just disappointing that there was no way to like yeah, I guess that's a word. Any or improve upon it or or anything like that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think if if the stores were better, I think that would help. Like, if I they, agree with that too. If the if, if the I think one of the things that you brought up earlier better. too, which is there weren't as many like you know funny side characters. Like rewatching the first one, I didn't really realize that Nick Offerman was in there. He's one of the oh, the yeah. more verbose uh, hitmen with like his buddy. And they speak in Shakespearean style. And they appear in a lot of the stories, actually, some of the ones that haven't been... Yeah, and, you know, like, even the guy who gets shot by uh, Miho twice in the air was like, guys, there's an arrow through me. Yeah, Nick the Cat, he's hilarious. There's a lot of great, just, like, hilarious moments in that frame. This one just more relies on, like, let's bring back Mickey Rourke a lot. Yeah, which I think Ethan is right in saying, like, it's a little bit more heavy-handed, like, the stories are just a little bit more, quote-unquote, darker, even though it's Sin City and all the stories revolve around, like, the the injustice uh, of humans and what we do to each other it's like all of it's pretty heavy but i guess yeah, the, but they yeah, want to make this even yeah, darker more heavy like in a serious way where it's like man this sucks as opposed to hey look at this craziness yeah let's talk about the filmmaking a bit just because we are seeing a lot of the same thing but i do think you know in nine years digital filmmaking has certainly you know evolved in that gene and something i noticed which it's hard to tell if I didn't like this as much or not, but I do feel like there's a there's a lack of kind of I don't know grit um, in a way to put it in terms of like what I'm seeing on screen, like how well the digital filmmaking like kind of works this time around. Like it seems like because I watched the first one pretty recently, mm-hmm. uh, like this past week before I saw this one again, and like it 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 feels more there's more of a I don't know a rough and tumble nature to that first movie than this one. It feels like this one's very clean. Does anyone else kind of See yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah, it's the uh, at least when it comes to like, especially the you know the obvious green screen effects. Like, I mean, everything else feels far too crisp and not anywhere near as like gritty or dingy. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's I, I assume it's just because of the improvement of quality of you know digital camera technology and 
uh, green screen technology over the past nine years. But yeah, there's, there's there was definitely a bit of uh, I guess aesthetic that was lost in the improvement of that tech. But I would say I like the 3D in the movie though. Like I thought that actually worked pretty well. I, I didn't watch it in 3D. I watched it in 2D. Was That's 3D worth it? It. I mean, it just it it played well for this movie. Like in terms of kind of bringing you more into this comic book world. Like I thought it was it was. It's something that seems inevitable in this day and age of kind of these kind of movies, but I still appreciated the look of the of, of the 3D in, in a film like Sin City, where you're seeing you know the rain and stuff like that, like kind of all over the place. Like it, it was neat to see. But that said, yeah, I it was it did feel kind of like well, this is this feels really clean for a for a movie called Sin City that takes place in this really dark and gray city. It was like oh okay, Josh Brolin. Fell out a window, but at least he, you know, his hair is still nice. Like there's nothing going on. <laughs> there's another. There's two things actually. One, Josh, Josh Brolin, he's fine. Like he's fine as Dwight. Dwight's a character I really like in the comics, so I'm like, yeah, hey, I, I like Dwight. Clive Owen's Dwight though. Exactly, and so there's, there's a scene where, where he ha he has to change his appearance, and I thought that was going to be a perfect opportunity to get Clive Owen to come back. <laughs> I thought I really thought that was going to be like a surprise cameo, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's not a surprise cameo. So yeah, I'm going to no. keep going with it because I was really disappointed to not see Clive Owen back with him. I was thinking that that was going to have a bigger play, where he, you know his character has to come back, kind of thing. And Instead, I was he like, just like oh. has silly putty on his chin and like long hair. It's like, well, of but course, no, yeah, no, but... of course, everyone knows who you are. You just look like Josh Brolin with silly putty on your chin. <laughs> there's <laughs> like, there's no, there's no uh, surprise at all. They're just like, hey, you know what? It's him, and then like. Okay, well, I guess that didn't work, even though I, I, that sounded like a cool storyline where, like, hey, let's go hire this hitman out of Texas. And so, like, surprise, it's like, we know that it's you, buddy. Yeah, you, you thought you were going to fool us by yeah. not looking like Josh Rowland, but Except you actually you look still like do Josh look like Rowland Josh Rowland. With yeah. Mickey Rourke's chin. <laughs> here's, here's the other thing, because this thing, I couldn't, like, keep a straight face every time they showed it. So Senator Rourke, played by Powers Booth, he's still, like, you know, he still mourns his son. The, the played by Nick Stahl in the first movie as the yellow bastard. So they they get to like a point where he's talking about remembering his son, and the picture on his desk is of him as the yellow bastard. <laughs> they <laughs> needed to highlight the color. And it's not, not like it's, that. There's 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 also a big portrait yeah. in, in his wall on the office, and it's like, why would you have that picture? Why would you have like this is your son who you apparently worshipped, and these are the pictures you have him like grimacing as like a horrible disgusting creature. Yeah. From, like, not, a villain from Dick Tracy? Not, like, a picture of him when he was, like, young or, like, when you two were together, but, like, this horrible picture. <laughs> they need you to remember what they did to Nancy. I get that, but it's, like, that, but, like, I, I expect that I if he, mean, yeah. I expect that if he opened his wallet, like, that'd be the picture in there, too. This <laughs> is <laughs> the crime scene photo of him headless and, like, you know, without a penis. Oh, my God. It was just, I got every, I kept laughing. I was the only one laughing in the theater. It was so funny. <laughs> it's like, why is this, this is the picture you remember your son <laughs> um oh my god uh what else um we've talked about ava green a bit but she is really good in this movie I think. Oh, no, she's she's so good like it's uh it's funny i i would never ever like want any classic film noirs remade but if like they ever did she would just be perfect like yeah. if she starred in like double indemnity or anything like that she's just like she just nails it i mean she she's like over the top, but not in an annoying way. Like she just, like you know, her her voice and like her cadence and everything. She's just, she's just perfect. She, I was, I was mesmerized by her. What did it feel like? What? Murdering an innocent man. I just want to know what it felt like. It must have been beautiful. 
What are you talking about, innocence? I knew I could count on you. Sex always made you stupid, ready to believe anything. <laughs> You've just made me a very rich woman. Do me one last favor, lover. Stay still long enough for me to blow your brains out. And apparently yeah. not shy. That's for sure. Yeah, very exactly. much not so. Yeah. I mean, after 300 Rise of an Empire, I was like, man, how could this be even better? Oh, Sin City. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's naked more than she is clothed. Throughout. Yeah. I, I think and even so when, too. And even when she's clothed, it's not by much. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's artistic because it's all black and white. Well, it makes up for <laughs> Jessica Alba as the stripper that doesn't strip at the strip bar. So I mean, she's got problems, man. She slipped into alcoholism. That seems like it'd make it easier. <laughs> I like, like her, Jessica Alba's performances where she plays like angst-ridden Nancy now that Bruce Willis is dead. She's like she just like kind of walks around stage and like throws bottles and then that's, uh, that's and, exactly like Bart when he steals the video game. Marge is imagining him like uh, as like an old man stripper. He's just like got the terrible guns going. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Oh. Anything else? Anything? Uh, Marv is really funny in this movie. I yeah, Mickey... Presence. Yeah, Mickey Rourke. Uh, I enjoyed him throughout the movie with his goofy banter and, like, just his voiceover, because a lot of it's told in voiceover. Um, but, like, you know, he has a scene where he beats up Dennis Haysburg and then he takes his hat. That's like... Yeah, where he takes his hat. Pretty, pretty clever. All of a sudden he just runs out and he's got the hat on. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that cracked me up. Yeah, that, like, that's that's something... Because I, I was looking forward to seeing this this one adapted into a movie, uh, A Dame to Kill For, because there's just more Marv in it and there's more Dwight and I like both those characters quite a bit. So like, And they have this buddy team-up moment where it's like, yeah, let's see this happen. That's uh, my, uh, one of my favorite things I, I like about Marv is like, uh, no matter what, anybody can just go to him and be like, hey, I need you to beat some people up. And he's like, you got it. Yeah, yeah. You got it, dude. Well, yeah, he has this... Uh, thank you. Michelle, <laughs> um, <laughs> he has this kind of this sense of morality about him, where it's like he has friends and he and he you know he does he beats up the bad guys even though he is a bad guy. It's like yeah, yeah I like this. See, so so here's a question for you because you guys have presumably read much more than I have. Yeah. Um. Is is uh, Marvin Dwight? They don't really like none of the characters really team up in Sin City. Like they're not really like, hey, this is my buddy and like I'm in I'm in the storyline a lot because. Dwight and Marv are always friends or something like that. It's kind of just like they all live within Sin City, and then from time to time they'll have like a crossover. Well, it's just I mean they're just people that live in a city together, and the, okay. the, the move the, they have a world that they share. So there's no reason not to you know it's just like Avengers, like they they all exist in the same area. It's like yeah. they can they okay. can team up every now and again. But yeah, the idea is that Dwight and Marv are friends, and that like Marv is a protector of Nancy for whatever reason because right. he like saved her once or whatever. I mean there's there's relationships that are you know explained or hinted at uh same with like uh, why dwight can go to old town and have the backing of rosario dawson and her gang yeah rosario dawson who's like very game by the way as well like she's like yeah i'll come back to shake she was my head again too. yeah, yeah. The, the, like for the most part the cast is solid it's just i wish that, specifically with joseph gordon levitt i just wish there was a better storyline to go with yeah, it but like he, he was one of my more favorite uh actors yeah you could tell he, he was having fun with it and he he liked what was what was going on I, yeah i just wish the story would have played out better um the one the one thing that is uh, i don't think is getting uh you know enough credit just just because of the fact that it is more of the same is there's a lot of really cool shots yeah in, in the movie like there's stuff that looks really cool like one of my favorite shots um uh it, it was in the trailer so i was like oh that's really cool is there's like a cool pan out from Powers Booth at a poker table when he's like giving one of his short like monologues, like you know how powerful it is and whatnot, and like all of the coins from the poker game look like Sin City, and it's like mm. he's just yeah. I like I think that's an awesome shot. 
Yeah, there's there's yeah, a lot I mean, of there's a lot of great uses of color in the movie. I think. I mean, the first one obviously flirted with that, and this and this one has, I think, just because Robert Rodriguez has evolved in a way where he knows how to make this world work even better. Like, there's subtle things like Ava Green's eyes become more and more green as that yeah. story goes on, which I thought was pretty cool. And, and one of my favorite shots is also uh, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes up to his hotel room and then he jumps out because he thinks he's gonna get shot at. Just black window, and then all of a sudden, like, Powers Booth just shows up. Like, oh, yeah, that was a... that, that's actually really well done. Booth in general is really good in this movie, by the way. Like, he plays the kind of antagonist figure for, a, you know, a majority of these stories. And he's very, he's very, he makes it very intimidating. He makes a very good presence. I agree. Uh, Rodriguez, um... Makes, I, his own, makes his own cameo. Not as many as Frank Miller, though. Not as many as Frank Miller, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, it, I... You brought this up really early on, but like it kind of outgrowing Rodriguez. It's weird because I really want to keep liking Robert Rodriguez, but like the more and more movies it makes, it just it's starting to feel like yeah, he just doesn't want to evolve past yeah, where he is as a director. And not even in the way that like Wes Anderson doesn't evolve because like that still works with the kind of stories he's telling because like the stories are different enough. But like yeah, I don't know. Like uh, it's 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 like we get it the first time and you don't really need more the second time because like the same thing happened with. Machete. Uh, yeah, with Machete. It's like I thought Machete was hilarious and fun. Like I really I enjoyed it. And I watched Machete Kills, and I'm just like, man, this isn't great anymore. <laughs> well, even like Machete had something to say too, in terms of kind of the the not too subtle border uh, politics yeah, commentary. Machete the... Kills was it, it was just like let's just fucking have some fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and like Sin City doesn't lend itself to much social commentary, but I mean there's it just it's it's him playing around and that's fun like if he wants to have fun if he wants to get a bunch of friends of his that are happen to be great actors that you know can be in his movies and he can make this work you know for whatever budget he has although this one is way more expensive than the first one i mean good for him but like it just when you when you have like when your best friends of quentin tarantino who's gone on to do lots of great things yeah. and continues to evolve as a filmmaker when you're a, still the trailer in this one when you're uh, still when you're still the guy like you know you still feel like the kid brother that's just playing around in the sandbox. It's like, it seems very noticeable at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and, if, any, if anything, maybe he'll get some of it out of his system now that he has his own TV network. I guess. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, or just commit full-time to, like, scoring <laughs> movies or whatnot. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he has his whole studio up there and everything, which I think is part of it, too. Like, he just, he doesn't, there's no other, you know, creative control beyond just yeah, him. Yeah, it's, I think it's 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 such a bummer, like, because he, he's so talented and, like, uh, efficient, you know. And, and like, a pioneer in this digital filmmaking world. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. stuff. But then it's like he's not doing anything innovative or cool with them. And so it's – but, you know, I think you're right about the fact that, like, since he's doing everything himself pretty much, he's, he's almost in, like, the position of George Lucas of where, like, no one is telling him no or, like, this yeah. is bad and it's just not working out for him. But, I mean, he still knows how to cut together a fun, you know, action scene and, like, cool stuff. Like, I mean, it helps when you have giant templates as your dialogue and framework right. for the movies. But yeah, like, I was like, I'm pretty sure that helps out he's enormously. Very, he's always been a competent filmmaker. It's just, what else could he do? And that's what I'd like to see. So. That is one oh, he's, that... Coming out with your, he's coming out with his piece of resistance. Spy soon. Kids 5. <laughs> still spying. Shorts 2. That's one thing what? I do appreciate about um, Sin City, though, is that... Uh, even though it's not hard to do this necessarily, it's it's unique because like that they basically are lifting the frames of Sin City and putting them in motion, which no one else really does with comic book movies. Um, so it's it's again it's it was cool to see that in Sin City, and it's still kind of cool to see it in A Dame to Kill for. 
just because no one no one really does do that. Um, but it's one of those things that like you know just loses its luster after you've seen it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last thing that I'll say yeah. is that I was a big fan of the Christopher Lloyd cameo. Yeah, no, I like Christopher. I was Lloyd. like, I'm glad that he's still there. Like, he still looks pretty good. He's a guy. He got it. He got what he was. His character. He seemed like he was playing his same character from Piranha 3D. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but he didn't go oh at any point. So. Yeah. But no, he he brought the funny. It's like, oh, my hands are steady. Once I get something in them, and it's like, nope, they're not steady. <laughs> Ethan, were you a fan of a 300 Rise of an Empire? Um, not really. Pretty much in the same way that I, like, kind of enjoyed A Dame to Kill for, I enjoyed Rise of an Empire. Um, it was fine for what it was, more of the same, and I I loved Ava Green pretty much the same amount. Like, I my, I could probably review Sin City, A Dame to Kill for, and 300 Rise of an Empire and say exactly the same thing. <laughs> it, would, it would be right on the money. <laughs> yeah, see, I think, I think, hey, would I, was it fair to say that I think we're both kind of, we were more favorable towards 300 yeah, than we, we were to Sin City, which I think was more surprising too. And I, I think if I had to guess, if I had to guess before I saw both of these films this year, I would would have bet that I would have liked Sin City two more than 300 yeah, too. But but it's 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 uh, surprising that I think we both like 300 Rise of an Empire more than Sin City a name to kill for. So that's fair. yeah, but I mean yeah, it's not like it leaps and bounds better or anything. But I I, I can say that that film, given that there was nowhere really for it to go, surprised me with what it was able to accomplish yeah. over this film, which gave me just more of what I already saw before. I would uh, almost be more interested in, in like the world of Sin City now is if they would have turned it into like. Uh, an HBO or a Cinemax series. Yeah, yeah that'd be or, interesting. Or just a, even just a miniseries where they can just yeah. adapt these books and get them all out of the way or something yeah, like that. The, yeah, the comic itself has such, you know, a serial nature to it, and I think it would be cool to see it just played out where you see a few characters story. I mean, you would basically be just be doing, like, a comic book version of Boardwalk Empire, you know? And yeah. there's, there's enough, you know, sex and violence yeah, that would fit. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I'm thinking, like, Boardwalk Empire style, like, their, their style, and it's like, yeah, that'd be really fun. Well, yeah. I mean, given that Sin City made like no money this weekend, yeah, I can I only assume that the El Rey Network might be onto onto something there if they wanted to make like a small scale <laughs> TV series out of the Sin City books. Do it. A TV series, then Sin City can do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we can drag out from Dust Till Dawn into like more multiple seasons, then yeah, we can maybe we can make this already existing series into a TV series. But all right, I think we've talked plenty about Sin City and Aim to Kill for, especially since we're one of the three people that saw it this weekend. So um, <laughs> with all that said, let's rate the movie. Uh, we've, uh, even we have a scale, basically, that's when should people go and see this movie? So if you had to say when should people go and see Sin City, A Dame to Kill for, what would that, uh, what do you think? Uh, I feel like you can just wait until it comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs> Abe? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. It'll, it'll look spectacular on Blu-ray, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited because uh, here's a fun thing that I forgot about until I rewatched Sin City originally. <laughs> um, I remember I didn't, when Sin City came out, like on the DVD, I refused to buy it because I knew there was a special edition coming, which for a person that loves collecting DVDs, that was a hard thing for me to do, to refuse to buy um, <laughs> a movie that I really liked. Yeah. But I did. I held off for like a good like eight months or whatever until the, the recut extended edition came out where you could both watch the movie as a whole as well as watch each story individually and like in their full form. Right. So given that, you know, what DVD, Blu-ray and whatever technology is much better and more efficient these days, I can only hope that when Sin City Dame to Kill for comes out, it'll already have all the bells and whistles and be separated into each story individually. And you can see like the full versions of each one or whatnot. Like I'll be I'll be curious to get that when that comes out. 
I did the same with Kill Bill, too. I never bought Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 thinking, man, waited. it's going to come in the full form one day. Still hasn't <laughs> come. But <laughs> I eventually came. When it came on the Blu-ray, I caved in because I'm like, this. I'm going to have to get it. Got to get it, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to a movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we talk about some of the main... Uh, this is where we uh, bring up some of the movies that we thought of during or after the movie, which is, of course, Sin City this week. And, uh, Abe, any uh, callbacks? Yeah, uh, Dick Tracy. Or, yeah, Dick Tracy. Um, Dark Shadows and, uh, whatchamacallit, Six Sense. Remember Dark Shadows? I do remember Dark Shadows. And the reason why I brought it up is because they have – she does the same husky voice uh, – Eva Green does later yeah. in the film. Regardless so. of the quality of Dark Shadows, I think Eva Green's like that was like her like her jump into this world of like I'm just gonna be great in genre movies now. Like that seemed to be like <laughs> when that happened. Uh, Ethan. Uh, yeah, Sin, I mean Sin City, obviously. Uh, Dick Tracy was a big one, and I love Dick Tracy too. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Dick Tracy fan. Yeah, there's some people that are naysayers against it, but I think like it was so innovative for at the time. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's really great. Uh, I, I I like it a lot. Um. I, uh, for, for, funnily, like on a, a, a weird note, I was, I thought of Perfect Sense, which is a movie with Ava Green and Ewan McGregor, huh. because I was wondering if she's more naked in Sintidia Dame to Kill for <laughs> or Perfect Sense. <laughs> There's only one I, way to find out, Ethan, we have to watch both and take exactly. copious notes. I generally say that about um, Ewan McGregor movies, too. Which movie is he more naked in? But anyway, <laughs> he's naked a lot in movies. You see his Obi-Don Kenobi. Um <laughs> Easy. I thought of um, uh, Sin City, Dick Tracy, of course, Machete, uh, Double Indemnity, uh, Rounders came to mind, and uh, yeah. and 300, Rise of an Empire. That was callbacks. Callback, callback, callback. Let's, uh, let's, do a little, let's get to our sponsor this week, Gabe. Okay. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com. Uh, audible there are over 150,000 titles for you to choose from. And this week, um, I have a book to recommend in case you want to get a free audiobook, which you can do by going to audibletrial.com. Um, it is The Long Goodbye by Raymond Chandler, which is narrated by Elliot Gould. Anyone that's familiar with The Long Goodbye should realize how hilarious it is that Elliot Gould narrates that book. Um, in The Long Goodbye, Private Eye Philip Marlowe befriends a down-in-his-luck war veteran with scars to prove it. Then he finds out that Terry Lennox has a very wealthy and nymphomaniac wife who he's divorced and remarried. She ends up dead. Soon Lennox is on the lam, and the cops and a crazy gangster are after Marlowe. This is one of the famed Raymond Chandler novels that's available on Audible.com. You can download that book for free or any other book you find there, and you can check out the service for 30 days. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep the book that you downloaded for free anyway. So... Be a winner. Read or listen. AudibleTrial.com. So shout out podcast. Yay. Okay. Let's move on now. Let's move on from that. Let's get over to a little out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is, of course, where we go over the various responses we got on our Facebook page, Facebook.com. So shout out podcast, where we had many of our listeners, of course, respond to the questions we asked and then had the listeners ask us some questions that we can respond to on this podcast. Getting good at that. I don't have a script. Yeah. Right? I just read that one out. It's almost like a KTLA or something like that. Nailed that one. Uh, I'm going to start this one here. Um, I, list, I asked, what are some of your favorite neo-noirs? And Ethan, feel free to answer these questions, too, if you have any answers for them. But um, Philip has Memento. April says, seven. Jim Dietz, friend of the show, has Blood Simple, Fargo, Reservoir Dogs, To Live and Die in L.A., Manhunter, Hammett by Wim Wenders, Red Rock West, and The Grifters. Uh, friend of the show, Brandon Peters, also had Jim Dietz named a lot of goodies, but there's an obvious Chinatown, and I'd like to add L.A. Confidential, Blue Velvet, and The Man Who Wasn't There. Great Cohen wrote this film. 
Jim Dietz jumped back in again and said, I also <laughs> recently watched Robert Altman's version of The Long Goodbye, and I liked it more than I remember. That movie's really good. It has Elliot Gould, as I kind of hinted at earlier, but that's a that's a really good movie, The Long Goodbye. Any neo-noirs come to mind? I think, Abe, I know you and I are both huge L.A. Confidential, as anyone is, L.A. Confidential yeah. fans. I remember, like I've told this story before, but I watched it later. Uh, I didn't watch it in, like, 1997 when it came out. And I was like, wow, this is a really good movie. It made me really, really like Guy Pierce immensely much more. Uh, I'll shout out Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because I'll take any opportunity to shout out Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But, um, Ethan, any uh, come to mind? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I had the same experience with LA Confidential, where like I didn't see it until a few years after it came out, and it was yeah, it's uh, it was incredible. Um, but no, uh, when I was in college and you know studying film and whatnot, um, I loved Double Indemnity when we watched it as like part of the you know the film noir area. And then there's also um, a French film called The Samurai, which is actually I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those, those are probably my favorites. Cool. cool. Next question we have is, favorite films featuring heavy emphasis on stylish visuals? Uh, Corey writes, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow! Today! <laughs> Friend of the show, Mark Hoban writes, Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Eric writes, Ultraviolet, Equilibrium, and Sky Captain. And the World Tomorrow Today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Shelley writes, Romeo plus Juliet. And Chicago. I'm glad that you said Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> I, uh, it wouldn't have made any sense if it was just Romeo and Juliet, so I figured that she meant Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, Trevor wrote Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is, I think Aaron's one of your favorites, right? It was my favorite of that year, and yeah, yeah. it's a movie that I love. Uh, Lewis writes uh, Lord of the Rings. Adam writes Sunshine. Pam's Labyrinth. I didn't realize Pam Greer made a movie. Yeah, Pam's um, Labyrinth. But it's, she, it's her and David me. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> He means Pan's Labyrinth and Watchmen. And finally, Philip has Life of Pi and Spirited Away. That's a nice doubleheader of choices. That is, yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, we've been, Dick Tracy comes to mind right away. And I, I mean, Sin City's a favorite. The first Sin City is a favorite movie of mine. I really like Sin City. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Dick Tracy. Uh, Scott Pilgrim absolutely is incredible on a number of levels. Uh, I mean, Edgar Wright's filmography in general is just a great <laughs> films featuring stylish visuals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it's, I mean, it's not necessarily stylish visually uh, as far as the how it's shot, but just the visuals of Pleasantville. Uh, I oh, love, yeah. love Don Knotts classic. Don Knotts classic, that's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next question we have is a favorite femme fatales. Not nearly enough answers for this question, which I thought was a good one. But Philip has Anne Hathaway in The Dark Knight Rises, and then Jason has Philip Dietrich from Double Indemnity. <laughs> so you got two quintessentials. I mean, I, I gave some examples of everything on the Facebook page. I had Jessica Rabbit on there. Maybe was, maybe it was just posted, you know, too early for folks. I posted it twice. <laughs> Ample opportunity <laughs> to get it on there. <laughs> just trying to help our listeners out, guys. Back me up. <laughs> we'll move into questions that you guys asked us. Uh, Joshua asks, I'm really enjoying Fargo at the moment. Yeah, I think he's talking about Fargo, the TV show. The TV show yeah. What's your favorite show based off of a movie? I have a few answers here because there were some good options and I thought it was a good question. But yeah, Fargo is fantastic, by the way. If anyone hasn't like caught up with Fargo, the FX series that's based in that world, not just like a, it's not just a rehash of that story again, much like From Dust Till Dawn is a rehash of the same story. Um, but Far Faro is terrific, and there's a reason why it has, like, I think, like, some of the, like, the most Emmy nominations or something like that this year. Like, it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, but uh, I have uh, MASH, seems very obvious. Friday Night Lights, I think Abe would echo as well. Yep. Uh, I was giving my answer. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
the cartoon series Clerks, the very short-lived cartoon series that I <laughs> think is hilarious, and Aladdin, the cartoon series, which I also thought was pretty great. Those ones that came to mind for me. Very cool. I don't know if I have any as far as, like, shows based on movies, because most of the time it's not anywhere near as good. Yeah, I feel like I've kind of narrowed down the ones that actually work pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's really yeah. it. Um, yeah, because like all the other ones, I, I, I would say, I, actually, I'll tell you what, uh, the Ghostbusters cartoon, the real yeah, Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. That was um, that was good stuff. Um, you know, this this is what, this ties into LA Confidential. On the LA Confidential Blu-ray, you can actually watch the the um, unaired pilot episode of the, t- of the HBO TV series they were planning which um, features Kiefer Sutherland in the Kevin Spacey role. And um, it, it was pretty interesting to watch. Like, I get, I, 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 I yeah, it, like, it, it had, it was basically that, and it's like, it was a show that was pre-Sopranos, so, like, it still was kind of finding HBO's voice in terms of how it can be an adult show that's allowed to do certain things, and it's, it's more of an interesting watch than, like, a great watch. Like, the show's all right. Like, I'm curious where it could have gone from there, but, like, in terms of, like, a pilot episode, it's an interesting idea, like, for how it could have worked. Obviously, shows like Boardwalk Empire have come along since, and you know, have done things in that 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 kind of realm. But yeah, next question. This one's from Mike Jones. Why are the strangest people brought on to write or rewrite screenplays? Someone who worked on The Notebook being brought on to work on a horror movie or something along those lines. And it's not exclusive. It's if this person is a good writer and has good ideas that people kind of circulate throughout Hollywood. I guess um, it's. I mean, Aaron writes stuff about. All types of different topics. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's because you know you're not limited to writing about one thing. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, some people might be very good at writing horror and stuff like that, so they just continue writing it. But you know, it's not as though it's exclusive. Or if anything, sometimes like they'll bring writers in because the script needs certain aspects of it punched up. Punching up, yeah. True. Yeah. Or I mean, even if you move to a directorial level, I mean, Wes Craven doesn't always direct horror movies. He had that one. Was that music, one about, like, music of the Heart with Meryl yeah, Streep. Yeah, Music of the Heart, right. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, everybody's pretty open to doing other things. But yeah, the punching up is certainly a big aspect of it, or, you know, just like a script doctor or something like that to kind of, I think, I actually, I'm pretty sure on Sin City, on this Sin City movie, isn't it, uh, Ethan, do you know, uh, it's, um, what's his name? Um, oh, that's gonna bug me. Uh-oh. Guy that did, um, Departed, uh, William Monaghan, I think he came oh, in, actually. Did, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came in to do like a kind of a a, a write, a, 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 not a rewrite, but just kind of yeah, add aspects to the script to kind of punch it up a bit. Uh, Philip asks us, who are some actors you think should be showcased a lot more? For example, Idris Elba and Sam Rockwell. I'd say Idris Elba, but I, I, I think that... Uh... I think he's pretty okay with where he, he is. He's got a movie coming out like next week. Yeah. I think that we're not yeah, going to talk about in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, actors that aren't around enough or just want to see more of. I, I would say Chris Hemsworth. You like that Chris Hemsworth. Well, because not enough people saw Rush, and I think that he has showcased that he's just more than the muscly actor. You know what I mean? Well, he's got so. a Michael Mann movie coming out this January where he plays muscly computer hacker guy. So. <laughs> With glasses. <laughs> I, did we see where the glasses? Maybe he takes the glasses off. And starts punching <laughs> I don't know. It would be funny if he had, like, black rim glasses. <laughs> he takes them off. It's like, time to stop hacking. Stop taking nimes. That's how you He's know really he's Australian. Like... Way. <laughs> yeah. He's much smarter in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, uh, I don't think Ed Norton's been around uh, enough lately. Yeah. I haven't seen him he's going to be in Birdman, but, like, I, I really wish that he would, uh... 
he would do some more stuff. And same with Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck has yeah, been exactly. he's been laying pretty low lately. He um, did that run, and then he directed Joaquin Phoenix movie, and was like, all right, I'm gonna take a off early. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's like a he he didn't do a movie for like three years, uh, and so like now he's finally starting to do some more stuff. But yeah, I think he needs to. Well, when Ben Affleck needs like an Aquaman, or, or I guess he already has Aquaman, when he needs someone else for the <laughs> Justice League movie that he'll maybe be involved with, then we'll see. We'll see what happens. I would like to see John C. Riley get back into some more dramas. As much as I love him doing Agreed. comedy, I would love to see him get back to doing some, like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's great Magnolia. And let's see, let's just use the default answer as well, Michael Keaton. It uh, doesn't matter how many movies he has a year. Oh let's just. I have, I have been hoping for a comeback for Michael Keaton. For years now, what if we live Birdman's for? What if we live in a world where Michael Keaton wins an Oscar next year for Birdman? Suddenly, just I, becomes, like, yeah, I, I hope he does because like I've been, be okay like, with that. <laughs> he's been he's been doing little stuff here and there. Like I, I think he's great in the other guy. Yes, you know? and that, but then like he like completely you know undoes it when he stars in you know Need for Speed. Yes, and, <laughs> and, and RoboCop. Oh, yeah, it's just like it's he's he's uh, I don't know he's he's definitely like trying, uh, and it's, it's funny because like. Um, when I, uh, was in LA in 2009, I worked at a production company and he had just like started being managed there. Um, and so like the first week that I was there, <laughs> he came in and like, uh, I was, I was walking through the reception area and he goes, Hey, he goes, where's, where's the bathroom? I was like, it's over there. And he walked away and it wasn't until then that I realized it was Michael Keaton. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just told Batman where the bathroom was. <laughs> Like that a typical Bruce Wayne for you. I wouldn't mind seeing, low key. I wouldn't mind seeing more Wesley Snipes actually. Now that he's kind of out and you know and doing paid his taxes, whatever. Yeah. Uh, blame his accountant. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, actually, it's been a while since I've seen like a really good Jim Carrey movie. I feel like I'd like to see good Jim, like regardless if it's drama or comedy. Oh, what what? We'll, we'll see when Dumb and Dumber 2 comes out. So it's been a while since we've all seen a good Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, uh, the last yeah. like really good one I thought was uh, uh, Love You, Philip Morris, which he's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people saw that too. I don't know if you, not nearly enough people saw that. Yeah, that's the thing is like he even when he makes like the bad movies, he does put in a great performance. It just yeah, no, it's never him. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, another good Ewan McGregor movie too. I love you, Philip. That's what I was actually yeah. just thinking that, but I was like, I gotta balance out. I gotta name a few females. Before we move on to the next question, let's think of some females for this answer yeah. as well. Like some females that you that, that need some more screen time. Actresses I like just consistently work though. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. Like Jessica Chastain, she's constantly working. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I'm always up for seeing more Ava Green. Uh, she's been just awesome. Yeah. She has had a pretty good run this year. Uh, what happened to um to to Uma Thurman? Where's she been? She was an nymphomaniac this year. She's like the best part of the part one of that movie. <laughs> Yeah, but like I want—I mean, I just—I don't know. I want—I want to see some more. Here's the thing, though. Here comes Aaron's secret beefs with actors section. But um, <laughs> out, if it's not like a Tarantino movie or like something really obscure, I don't think Uma Thurman's a very good actress. So I don't know. I—it's—it's I, it's not often I really see her and think, man, she did great in that part. Like that's kind of where I come from. What's her name? You know what? Um, she was in True Detective this year, but Michelle Monaghan. I think she's a, a really fun actress that I like to see in more movies. And I mentioned Kiss Kiss Bang Bang earlier, too, but I think she's quite good in things. I'd like to see her in more stuff. Got it. Kellen McDonald. I'm just kidding. She's on Boardwalk Empire. She's yeah. making she's uh, making I mean, the HBO I mean, money. I was, looking, I was looking at a list. I, I meant to say Judy Greer. <laughs> she's on FX's Married right now. She's really and uh, she's the voice in Archer. But, uh, yeah, right. yeah, she's, she's, got, she's got that really FX funny. money. <laughs> yeah, like she's really funny, and I, I, I always enjoy seeing her. 
You know, and Ethan, you might agree with me on this. The actress that played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, why isn't she in more things? She was great in that movie. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if I've ever seen her in anything else. That's, uh, like, the uh, only thing I've seen her in. Like, she, was, <laughs> she just did a great job. <laughs> I expected to see more of her. Maybe she's just one of those actresses who was good in that role, and maybe she's not good anywhere else. <laughs> or maybe she's just super Canadian. Maybe she's only on Degrassi. That's what I was thinking. I didn't want to say that against our Canadian listeners. She's just, she's just on Degrassi. That's it. I, don't, I just yeah. assume this, there's one show in Canada, Degrassi, and everyone stars on it. That's why I think <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Drake could make it, everyone can make it. I mean, Abe, as you know, he started from the bottom. Now he's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our two running jokes this summer, Abe, have been Drake started from Drake. the bottom and pronouncing colon in movie titles. <laughs> what will the fall bring? I don't know, but I have a next question from Gary. It is other fave film noirs. Uh, my top is out of the past. I also love Woman in the Window. Uh, good question, Gary. I like it's it. Falcon with, uh, uh, what's his face? Bogey. Um, yeah, Bogey himself and Ellie Confidential. Yeah, um, in terms of film noirs, I love The Third Man, uh, Rafifi, a uh, French film. Um, God, tons of them. But, I mean, uh, Kiss Be Deadly is another one that just immediately jumps to mind always. Did you say that Casablanca is a noir film? No. Okay. Uh, it's not a noir film. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, you know, like the dame comes in. She's like, oh, I thought I'd never see her again. There's more debate over, like, uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which I consider a noir, and I'd say in my put in my this it's just not a traditional like it's a crime drama of pis and venetian yeah. blinds draw noir but um but yeah those are ones that come to mind uh ethan any uh noir? uh the big sleep i mean that's yep. how, yeah that's you know a pretty easy one bogey and bacall r.i.p <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that's that's i would say that's that you know along with again with double double indemnity yeah that's a great. We it's about we got to do like one of these retro yeah, commentaries like a, because there's some yeah. really good movies that like we like doing the fun stuff with these modern movies and whatnot. But we should really do some retro commentaries. I like to see how that turns out. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, Danny asked us top five movies you are looking forward to for the remainder of 2015. Okay. Maybe he means, does he mean 14? I'm assuming he means 14 because that's okay. that's a big gap. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Uh, 2014. Um, offhand, Interstellar, yes. Gone Girl, Box yes. Trolls. Yes. Um. Uh, Big Hero Six. I think that movie looks amazing. That movie looks funny. Uh, and Birdman. Yeah. There you go. And uh, I, I keep seeing the Whiplash trailer, so I'm looking forward to Whiplash quite a bit. Oh, Whiplash is so good. Yeah, you were at Sun, you okay. were at Sun, right? Yeah. Sun, yeah. That's right. right. Sundance. It's so good. Cool. Can't wait to see uh, J.K. Simmons is in his black muscle shirt. Yeah, he is. Man, he is a super big uh, douchebag in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, there are three cardboard cutout props that I have. One's Batman, one, one is uh, Rorschach, and the other's J.K. Simmons in a black tank. So, no, it's not, that's not true at all. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go, yeah, Interstellar for sure. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, I, I I just saw the, the recent trailer for The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, and I am so on board with that movie. It looks really good. Um, Who's in that movie? I, I know Jessica that. Chastain and James McAvoy. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, because it's got that weird thing where like they're gonna release the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, them, and then the, the two separate stories, her and him, later in October. Yeah. That's yeah. That's why I was. 
Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Birdman. Um, and then, yeah, there's some good stuff that I've already seen that I think everyone should see. Like Skeleton Twins is yes, fantastic. I want to see that one too. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Um, Young Ones is really interesting. It's like a sci-fi western by Jake Paltrow. It's got wow. a really big scope and like interesting universe that he creates with a low budget, um, very Spielbergian. Um, yeah, and Big Hero Six. Um, I have an, I just got another question on the Facebook page that I wanted to ask just because I like this question. Uh, Philip has, do you have any advice for people who struggle with appreciating old movies? There's like a whole podcast there to like, to like, to, to inform people on kind of how to kind of approach seeing old movies, but, uh. My approach is going with an open mind. I mean, sure, they might be black and white, they might be from the 1940s, but they're good movies still. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of um, it's kind of hard to like get someone in the right frame of mind unless they're ready to appreciate those kind of things. Just because it's really hard for people to get past, uh, you know, the dated nature of certain films, whether it's like how dialogue was written back in the day or how it was shot and you know that kind of thing. Um, so like I mean, you just kind of have to have to hope that somebody does have an open enough mind they can like think about you know when the movie was made and why it's like that and not you know nitpick that as why they don't like it. I think, I mean, honestly, a good a good way to approach this kind of topic is go into IMDb and look at the top 250. And like you, yes, there's like you know, there's kind of geek favorites or whatnot. But you know, the older movies there are movies that people widely love, and those are kind of good movies to you know prime yourself with. And you can kind of go into more obscure stuff later on. But you watch a movie like Casablanca, and it's it's hard to not appreciate a movie like Casablanca, unless you, if you're you know if you don't want to you know embrace that kind of filmmaking anymore, then that's not going to help. But I mean that. That's a very, you know, general way to see something, Brett. Brett Ethan. Yeah. Uh, no, one thing that I, I will say is that, like, it's um, even as, like, some people who are, like, in our position that, like, love movies and, like, uh, understand, you know, those, like, how to appreciate older movies, it can be hard because, like, there are so many movies that are revered as classics because they were, like, innovative for their achievement in filmmaking for the time. And it's, like, it's it can be hard to appreciate that when you've seen so many movies since then that you know use those techniques and elements that have become like a mainstay you know in cinema now like for example like uh citizen kane absolutely one of the greatest films of all time but it's not one of those movies where like you you watch and you see you can easily see uh why it's so revered and why it's so innovative because so many movies are told in that style nowadays you know and like uh, even the filmmaking style isn't something that is that people understand. It's like that movies weren't always made like that. So yeah, I mean, again, like this, you just you said it yourself. Like this is like a whole podcast topic. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, there's just many ways to. This this might be something we revisit in the future, Abe, because I like this actually quite a bit. Yeah. Along with our what movie trailers do you like most? Topic. These are just some of my favorite questions. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite um, questions I ever asked. But I mean, you know, finding. You know, certain act like if you want to like do like a Bogart marathon, and, like try to find a way to like watch a lot of those movies, or you know, do things like that to kind of get yourself in that mindset where you can watch older films and kind yeah, of. Hitchcock's a great game. Hitchcock's a yeah, Hitchcock's a great way. Uh, the uh, the AV Club that website uh, spin off of the Onion that focuses on kind of media and movies and whatnot. They have a, they have a great series called Primers where they kind of they go through various filmographies either of directors or actors or whatnot and kind of give you a. They give you a path of how to kind of view things in terms of people starting out with something and don't know, you know, it's too broad of a spectrum to figure out how to exactly approach it. So that's a that's a fun like a uh, 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 write up series that you can check out on the on the AV Club to plug another site completely. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, all right, I like that question, Philip. Thank you for that one. So I, I wanted to get that one in for this week's podcast before we moved on. Um, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, actually. 
Hold on. Oh, Abe. Aaron, Abe. I believe it's time for uh, a game. That was a, a, a xylophone song to kill for. That, <laughs> that's right, it was. Abe. Terrible. That, that was that, that was a thing you said just now. Um, I have a game for you guys. It's called the Big Fat Cast. Okay. And uh, this game, I'm basically, I basically I I have a, a giant list of movies that have huge ensemble casts in them, and I'm going to read names from the kind of the bottom up and see if you can figure out what movie I'm talking about. Okay, I like this. Yeah. And so the and so you and to um, I guess you don't even really have to buzz in this before you whoever gets it first kind of <laughs> kind of dealy, but uh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this. I have like ten of these. I'm going to kind of just read through casts and see if you can figure it out. I'll start with an easier one just so you're going to get the rhythm of how I'm going with this game. Here we go. Eric Stoltz, Rosanna Arquette, Steve Buscemi. Abe. Vi- yeah. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is the correct answer. Abe, you're on the board. Woo. So, yeah, just kind of. Stoltzy, my boy. Actually, he's not <laughs> your boy. He's your he's boy, Stoltzy. Really. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. Kelsey Grammer. Summer's hero, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Rebecca Romaine. Even. Yeah. X-Men The Last Stand. X-Men The Last Stand is the correct answer. It's a competitive game so far, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ray Winstone, Alec Baldwin, Martin Sheen, Mark Wahlberg. Even. Yeah. The Departed. The Departed <sighs> is the correct answer. See how you think caught on to our buzzing in part real I quick. Know, yeah. like, <laughs> sometimes it takes hours. We didn't even have to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the next one. Demi Moore. Lindsay Lohan. William H. Macy. Ashton the Kutch Kutcher. Sharon Stone. J- Joshua Pacey Jackson. Helen Hunt. Heather Graham. I'm going to keep reading these. Shia LaBeouf. Elijah Wood, Martin Sheen, Christian Slater, wow, okay, Anthony Hopkins, Lawrence Fishburne, and Emilio Estevez. Uh, Abe. Yeah? Bobby? It was Bobby. You got uh, it. The last oh. one got it. Yeah. <laughs> like Emilio Estevez. I thought that would be the closer. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I, I was like, to... just like one of those, like, you know, love movies. <laughs> But like, yeah, it could have been, yeah, when I said after the Kutch you know, like, Kutcher. No, more than that any more of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to give her love. <laughs> All right, here we go. Jack Black. Christina Applegate. Pam Greer. Natalie Portman. Michael J. Fox. Mar- oh, Ethan. Yeah. Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks is the correct answer. This is a fun guy. I like this game. <laughs> I, I want to play this game. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ben Stiller. Tim Robbins. Ethan. Yep. Anchorman, the legend An- of Burgundy. It, that is correct. <laughs> I can literally do this game all day. <laughs> There's so many good options here. Uh, let's see. We have. Okay. A few more. Billy Bob Thornton. Alicia Cuthbert. Denise Richards, Rowan Atkinson, Ethan. Yep. Uh, Love Actually. Love Actually is the correct answer. Bill about Thornton? He's the president. He's the president. Obviously. Ah! Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Sorry. Obviously. Yeah. Here we go. Topher Grace, Carl Reiner, Bernie Mac, Ethan. Eddie. Yep. 
Ocean's 12. Wow. I thought I was going to throw you off. <laughs> but you somehow got Ocean's 12. <laughs> this makes for two weeks in a row where we mentioned Ocean's 12, by the way, Abe. That's, uh, I think that's like more than it's been mentioned in the past decade. Whoa, that's no, my favorite of the series. I, I have, I love, I mentioned that quite a bit on this podcast, on commentaries, actually, I think. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. All right. Amy Brenneman, currently on Left, uh, Left Behind, or whatever that show is, The Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> not, not talking weekly on The Leftovers. Hank Azaria, Ted Levine, friend of the show William Fickner, Ashley Judd, Natalie Portman, John Boyt, Tom Sizemore, Val Kilmer, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Didn't think I'd have to read any more names than that. Oh man! Henry Rollins. Um, I'm gonna start reaching for names here because I've read every other name. I'm not even sure. I said Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and somehow we don't have an answer for this. They've been in like five terrible movies together. <laughs> I'm like Natalie Portman. <laughs> Abe, movie 43? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is like... There are people screaming at this podcast right now. I'm, let me say Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Val Kilmer again. Oh, is it? Is it Heat? Yes, it's Heat. Oh, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I hate myself for saying movie 43. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Last one, even though Ethan's already won this, but this is such yeah. a fun game, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Oh. God. Wayne Knight, Newman, Vincent D'Onofrio, Martin Sheen, Donald Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones, Kevin the Macon Bacon, John Candy, Sissy Spacek, Ed Asner, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, wow, I forgot they're both wow. in this movie, Michael Rooker, Joe Pesci, Gary Oldman, Kevin Costner. Ethan? Yep. Is it JFK? It is JFK. Oh. That is the correct answer. Good okay. Jeff. Ethan, run away at the end there. Ethan, you dominated this game. Yes! That means you get to come back to the podcast eventually. Woo! Yes! The, guys, the number of people who kicked off this podcast because they lost games is ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we, we edit those out. That's how you don't know. But, oh, my God. We've had so many guests that have just struggled with games. <laughs> but, no, good job. That was fun. The big fat cast. That That's fun. a good game. Okay. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to um, let's get to a little uh, out now presents what's out now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we have a few things here. First up, we have Adam Sandler's latest opus, Blended. Um, one of Abe's predictions for the top-grossing films of summer 2014. <laughs> can't out the sands. That's a, that's ending next week, Abe. Actually, the last next week's like the la- or the two weeks from now is the last week of summer. Yeah, so we gotta, day, right? yeah. yeah so we got to do our uh, we got to do our follow-up yeah, gamble episode. Yeah, figure out who won. Um, we have Bell. Um, this is the the uh, period drama, which I never actually. I think I'm reviewing this Blu-ray, so I'll finally get to see it. No, Ethan, did you see Bell? No, I didn't get a chance to see it. It was in it was in like a nearby theater here for like a week, and I wanted to check it out because I was kind of intrigued by the story, but I missed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have the Double with Jesse Eisenberg, uh, which I wasn't huge on. Ethan, did you see the Double? I have not seen it yet. It wasn't. Yeah. It didn't come anywhere near here, and I didn't see it on on demand. Yeah. Uh, we have The Normal Heart. This is the HBO uh, film that's up for like a lot of Emmys, I think, with the Mark yeah, Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, the Walking Dead Season 4, uh, Sons of Anarchy Season 6, and all that jazz comes out on Criterion Edition this week, so that's a 
Roy Scheider. Just want to shout that one out. And uh, all right, so that's what's out now. Now we have uh, next week's show. Abe and I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week right now. We Not are, really sure. Yeah. Yeah, we are uh, at a bit of a loss, just because there's nothing else of interest coming, unless Abe but... wants to see As Above, So Below. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but we might be watching maybe an, an indie film, but you know, we, we'll have to come up with a few other ones just to. Make it a full episode. There. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll uh, we'll get back to you guys, guys on that let's one. Let's talk about Ghostbusters. I mean, we could talk about Ghostbusters I mean, and I could, Ghostbusters I could, too. I could always talk about Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's getting re-released next weekend. Is it next weekend? Yeah, next week. It's next next weekend's Labor Day weekend. Is oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the now, guys. <laughs> what the spectacular now? <laughs> You know, no joke, I might be down to talk Ghostbusters next week. That's kind of an amazing idea. <laughs> Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters. Do a Ghostbusters retrospective. It's like, remember, Abe, remember Abe, like, three years ago, we did, like, an Indiana Jones retrospective? I mean, that was a long time ago. It's the 30th anniversary for Ghostbusters and the 25th anniversary for Ghostbusters, too, so you might as well own it. Oh, my God. That's, a, we might, I mean, that's the, not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like a Bill the Murray thing. Of, or a, uh, the giver of gives. Or Harold or Harold Ramis retrospective or something. Cool. All right. Well, there's there's some options out there. Um, last thing before we go here, what should people go and see now, Ethan? If you had to recommend one film for people to see in theaters right now, what would it be? Uh, if Boyhood is playing in your area, absolutely go out of your way to see it. It is a perfect film in every way. No matter how old you are, you will find something about it to relate to, even if you're not. Uh, a male and you didn't grow up a boy um there's enough adolescence uh you know relation that you can you'll you'll relate to the character and it's yeah it's just a gorgeous movie i i absolutely love it abe i'd say guardians of the galaxy go check it out yeah we've talked plenty about boyhood um so yeah we certainly echo those respects um love is strange is currently in limited release with alfa merlina and um uh john lithgow and i think that movie's pretty lovely so i you know go check it out if you can find it if not Go find Step Up. I had a lot of fun with Step Up. I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 and then listen to our episode. In terms of like movies that delivered on what they're trying to do, Step Up's like one of the better movies of the summer in that respect. So I, I honestly would say if you can find it, go seek it out. If you want to go see a fun day. you say that you're all in on Step Up? I, I would say I'm all in on Step Up. So yeah, let's... Uh, that's it. That's uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at ysublue.com for all my Blu-ray and movie reviews there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag the Emmys. <laughs> that's a good hashtag. <laughs> Ethan uh, Anderson. Yeah, I'm the managing editor of FirstShowing.net, uh, so you can check out a lot of my movie stuff there. And then I'm also a staff writer where I write about uh, TV news and reviews over at GeekNation.com. And my Twitter handle is Ethan underscore Anderton. You can also you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at HHWLOD.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other fun shows about comics and games and TV and stuff like that, like the Walking Dead TV podcast and the Ichapod Cranecast, which of course I co-host and other shows as well. You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. That's the actually the only place you can find our Step Up episode. It's an exclusive to Podomatic and SoundCloud. Exclusives. Uh, you can, of course, email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com, much like Dion did, and have your message read on the show. 
You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. You can follow us there, and feel free to use our voicemail line at 972-798-3830. Send us a voicemail, and you can we can play it on the show and answer whatever question you might have or whatever. So, Ethan, thank you very much for joining thank us you. today. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, no, this is a ton of fun. We'll be happy to have you back at some point. Um, and yeah, until we figure out what we're going to do next time, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. So, so long. And goodbye. said Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and somehow we don't have an answer for this. They've been in like five terrible movies together. <laughs> <laughs>